morning, everyone, once again. Today we're finishing up this series looking at the difference that authority makes in our life and just the way that we interact with authority. Every single one of us finds ourselves um, either in authority or under authority, or you might be you know, operating with both of those dynamics right now. And so well, let's review just for a moment kind of where we've been. First, the first week we looked at where authority starts, that all authority starts with God, that he is really at the head of all things. And so he is really in charge. He does appoint leaders, and so, but that leadership has been given by God. Last week we looked at what it means to be a leader and how leaders have to give an account. We looked at a verse that we're going to look again at this morning just to kind of get started, and it's uh, verses Hebrews thirteen seventeen. It talks about how leaders have to give a spiritual accounting for their leadership. And if you are a leader, then there's really three issues that you need to keep in mind. We looked at these last week. Number one, you need to know what the goal is or what's the mission that you're trying to accomplish. Number two, you need to keep in mind and be concerned for the, wel- the welfare of those that you lead. So the welfare of your followers. And then last is your own personal welfare. We, we wrestle with these three things often. And if we get them out of order, then it messes up things in the organization or in the family or in the structure that you're trying to lead. Um, but this issue of giving an account is a spiritual issue. There's a spiritual accounting that will happen for those who lead um, in this room. And, and more than likely, you're going to have some leadership opportunities in your life. And so it's a very important issue. What we're going to look at today, though, is the issue of following. And so we're going to wrap up this message by looking at how to follow well and how to make it a joy for the leaders over you. And since the Bible teaches that God has given leadership to specific people of his own choosing, then really a good follower accepts that reality. They accept the fact that there's leaders and followers, and a good follower works to really uh, make it a joy for the leader, you know, make it a joy, which... I want to describe how that looks. What does it mean to really make it a joy? What's the picture that, that is, is created in the scripture? And it's oftentimes very difficult to pull that off. And so uh, this message, as we, as we look at, probably the hardest part of authority is following. Uh, it's easy to, to talk about the leadership aspect, even though there's an accountability. It's a weighty responsibility. It's difficult when you're looking at the follower side of things. It's kind of like taking bad medicine, I think, where you know – You don't feel good, it doesn't feel good, but you know somehow it's supposed to help and they're trying to wrestle you down to to open up your mouth. That's a little bit of of how I think this may feel. It's certainly how it feels for me. I feel like the, the, come on, open the mouth because it's, it's somewhat an awkward subject. So let's pray as we continue. Lord God, we just, right now we just ask you to focus our minds and we just choose to, uh, to set aside the distractions, Lord, in our hearts and minds right now so that we can hear from you. Would you speak to us above all the noise in our lives? Some of that stuff is is, is uh, just simply distractions, Lord, things that are taking us off track. Some of those things are very, very difficult issues that we're facing and that you are ministering and caring for us in the midst of our challenges. And Lord, then there's other things, just our responsibilities and the things that's on our plate for today. With, but with all that in mind, God, we just ask that you'd help us to focus with this time on what you have to say from us, from your word to us. Lord, help us to engage with you. Help us to be just putting ourselves in a, in a, in a place of, of um, not just understanding, but Lord, just with a desire to obey what you have to say. So Lord, help us to make applications specifically to our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, if you've ever played like a football game um, at the park where it's like a pickup game, um, oftentimes people want to, you know, everybody wants to be the quarterback. Not, I, I shouldn't say everybody because some people would prefer never to be the quarterback but um, and should never be the quarterback. But, but a lot of times that's, you know, the position people want is to be the one calling the plays, throwing the ball, you know. And I don't know if you've ever played – in a setting like that to where someone really wanted to be the quarterback, but nobody chose them to be the quarterback. And so for the rest of the game, they're just pouting and they're just not, they're not playing their position. Well, maybe they are, you know, maybe they're just, you know, only in once in a while and they get to play defense on the line. Now, I don't know if you get that organized in park football, but some of us were really serious back in the day. And so, but you know, people can get really twisted up over that and then just play half heartedly and, and really hurt the effort of the whole team. It's really frustrating. Well, when it comes to authority, we can do the same thing. We could really want to be the quarterback. We could really want to be the leader. But thankfully, in this area, God has already settled this issue. He has already decided who he's going to appoint. He's decided to appoint certain people to be leaders, and he uses those leaders to move things forward. So we've been looking at this um, diagram here, just showing the different areas of our lives, how we interact with authority on different levels, and uh, more than like you might you might have you know you might be able to identify and find yourself in all of these areas or maybe at least three of them but you know in the family life God has assigned if there's a father in the home he's assigned him to be the, the head of the home the leader who makes the it really has to make the final call on the decisions now he gets input from his wife but ultimately he has to he has to make the call and he'll be held responsible and accountable for the major decisions that are made um, together, the father and the mother, they, they lead um, the children. So they're leaders over the children. And so we find ourselves somewhere in that part of the diagram. And then there's the government. You can see the way that that breaks down. Most of us play the role of citizens. There may be someone in local authority here. And um, in church, you know, we play a role. Either we have a leadership role, and we have in our church we have pastors, we have small group leaders, we have ministry team leaders, we have advisory leaders and then and then we have the members of our congregation and so you find yourself somewhere in that uh, area same with business more than likely tomorrow or today if you work on Sundays you're you're either the leader you know that you are the employer or you're one of the employees you may have supervisory um, you know role and so you have some leadership there but in, in all these different areas God has assigned you either to be the leader or to be the follower and that may change but you know you're at a certain place right now in these different areas. In our country, though, we prefer to think that we have a vote on everything. We'd prefer to think, yeah, I may be the follower on paper, but I'm kind of a leader in my mind. And so I should have a vote in this decision. If you try to lead, though, without having been given that role, you try to lead, you know, without having the position, then you can count on lots of opposition. Actually, in fact, if you start trying to call the shots and you start walking around you know, like you're the leader, Everyone kind of turns and tries to look at you and try to figure out, why is he bossing us around? It might be something like this picture to where you're this uh, cat, you know. And uh, cats are bold, aren't they? They assume leadership, I think. We were, on a, we were on a walk when there was a cat that charged us with our dog. And we were just, it was really strange. But this can happen, this dynamic where in our mind we're the leader and everyone else needs to get in line. Now, we may not be the leader positionally, but we might operate in that way. Well, God, he's given us a much better way. 
And so let's look at that. At the top of your listening guide, it says this. It says that great leaders aim to please God by making a joy for their, I'm sorry, great followers aim to please God by making a joy for their leader. And this comes from Hebrews 13, 17, the verse we looked at last week, and we're going to look at another passage tied to this today. But these are instructions to the church, and these principles, although it's directed to the church on how the church is to relate to their leaders, these apply to other arenas of life as well. So you can apply this to all those other areas, workplace, in the home. So let's look at Hebrews thirteen seventeen. It says this. It says, <clears throat> it says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now those two words, obey and submit, the word obey means to be persuaded. And the word submit means to yield, okay, yield. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Now, this is referring to the fact that leaders have to answer for their leadership. This is a spiritual responsibility, one in which they will give a spiritual accounting for the lives and the deeds of those that they, that they lead. This is a pretty weighty responsibility is what the writer here is saying. Then it says this, let them do this with joy. Let your leaders do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. So this is really a, this is a word of instruction and encouragement for the church because to not make it a joy creates this groaning, he says, this inner grief for the leader who has to lead people who are you know, not being helpful or they're dragging their feet in a situation. He says, if you don't make it a joy, there's no advantage to you. There's no joy. There's no joy for them. There's no joy for you. There's no joy for them in the experience now nor when they give an accounting for it. Now, when we're, when we're following people who, who are setting direction, if, if we like the direction that they're going, uh, it's pretty easy to follow. Okay? If your leader is going and, and leading out in a way that you agree with it, it's, it's, it's easy for us to get on board. For example, if you have similar interests as your leader and you think, wow, all the decisions they're making, it's, it's, like, it's like they can read my mind. They're doing exactly what I would do in this given situation. It's really easy for us to just get on board. Because it's a great fit. It creates little to no adjustment in our life and our expectations. Uh, in that situation, it's really difficult to know whether you're being a good follower or not. Because they're doing what you would do. Um, what happens when your leader chooses an entirely different plan than you had in mind? That's, that's where you find out about this area of good following or poor following. At work, for example, when your boss gives you an assignment and says, here's what you're going to do. And the idea or the assignment just seems so foreign to you. If you're a person who is a right brain person and you're good with numbers, you're good with data, and then your boss says, look, here's, here's the assignment for the week. I want you to work on this project. And you, you're supposed to somehow create this from scratch. And you're like, that's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the left brain. That's the creative group. That's the, they want me to do that. You know, this, is, this is not something that I would choose. It's not something I'm good at. Well, that's where the test shows up. If they... You know, assign you something that is is just totally foreign. That's that's a good place where a test shows up. In fact, the test of a good follower comes whenever the leader makes a decision and and they don't agree. Now that's why I said this a little bit like bad medicine, because this is the difficult part of authority. It's when we don't agree with the direction the leader is going. At home, let's say you have a financial challenge or maybe an opportunity. The challenge at home may be if your family is trying to dig out of a hole of debt. You're in this big hole of debt. The test comes when the leader sets a direction, again, that sounds ridiculous to you. 
and now you're supposed to all follow. Maybe your leader has been reading some books, and, the, and they're going to implement a financial plan for your family that's going to put everyone in a tight, tight box, and everyone's going to have to live in a certain way and restrict spending and restrict, you know, maybe the things you used to eat you can't eat anymore. Maybe the choices you made in the past you can't do anymore, and all of it just sounds ridiculous to you. That's the test, again, of, man, am I going to follow? Am I going to be a good leader in this situation, or am I going to not make it a joy for them? Oftentimes, poor following shows up not just with what we say, but with all the nonverbal stuff. Poor following, I think, you know, shows up with cute little nonverbal cues or body language, like the leader's trying to, to direct or say, hey, here's what we're going to do, family. Here's the plan. And then, you know, or, or at work, you know, and then the eyes are being rolled. You may not say, I hate this, but you're – that's clearly communicating something to the leader. Or maybe the posture is just not engaged, like there's slouching. If you're trying to – if you're at work and there's someone in the, in the work group who's just, just slouching and the, the leader's trying to direct and, and this person's just like this. And everyone's focused and – and then there's just one person who's just not engaged. There's no eye contact. Um, or I, I've seen people in meetings to where they'll just do this. And I'm thinking, clearly they're not on board with this idea, you know. And it just they're just frustrated or whatever. Or sometimes I've seen people who I would say the best description is like they're confused. So they're like this. And you're trying to give... Here's what we're going to do. I think this is the plan, and, and they're just. And you're thinking in your mind, I know that I'm being clear. I know that this isn't that confusing. I, how can they be puzzled? And they're just. Well, what it is is they're oftentimes we're just disagreeing on the inside, right? And we're we're pretending to be confused, but really we just don't agree. We don't want to do it. We're not on board. If you've been in small group in our church and you're generally a good you know you're a good group member you're a helpful follower to the leader like you show up on time you bring snacks you you help out you do different things and then but then the leader you know chooses a course of action for the group hey we're about to read this book we're about to study this we're going to we're going to dig into this for 3 weeks and you you already had a plan in your mind that you knew and they already told you what the plan was now he's going to change course and you're you throw the confused look oh and really, again, it's just it's disagreeing on the inside, but I'm just, see, these are the tests that are coming at us all of the time when it comes to following. And really, a great follower, according to this verse, a great follower, what do they do? They yield. A great follower yields the right of way to their leader as they face these tests. Keep yielding. The word submit, it means to yield, or another way to describe the Greek is that to arrange yourself under. That's what it means to submit, to arrange yourself under. I mean, you just recognize that this, this person's leading. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall in line with the direction that they're setting. Now, that's a difficult thing for us to do, isn't it? It's okay to give input if you're following someone. It's okay to give your leader input. And, and they, they, they more than likely need and, and want to hear your input. You might be thinking, yeah, right, they don't want to hear my input. But the reality is more than likely they want, they want to get input from the group. But they're the one who's responsible for the decision. They will also be the person that will be accountable for the decision that's made. But to be persuaded, which is to obey and to, and to yield, really that's the final response of a good follower to their leader. That's the final response. 
you just decide, I can get on board with this. The opposite to do this is to try to wear down your leader. They set a course of direction, you try to wear them down. Well, have you thought about this? Yeah, I've, I've looked into that. Well, why aren't we doing that? Well, because of this and this. Yeah, but I don't. that doesn't make sense because history in our company proves that, yeah, I understand that it does, but I, I just, I really think we're going to, yeah, but really? Huh, that's strange. I mean, again, those are the tests. Or when we just drag our feet. When they say it's time to go, when they say it's time to move and take course of action, you know, everybody, we're going to charge in this direction. We're going to hit these sales quotas. And we're like, right, break is coming, <laughs> and I'm headed there, you know, or lunch is coming, and I'm going to take a little longer. There's all sorts of ways we can do this when it comes to dragging our foot. Now, one example of a great follower is that of a man named Timothy. Paul had led Timothy for uh, 10 years up to the point that we're going to read this passage and Paul is describing Timothy and the kind of person that he was. Uh, he's a great follower. Paul was a guy who was a church planter. He would start churches. He would get them established and organized. He'd help, you know, he'd appoint leadership in the church. And at this point, Paul and Timothy had done this for really 10 years of ministry together. And I want to look at this passage. It's in Philippians, okay? There was churches being sprouted up in in. in you know, Asia and then in Europe. The very first church that was planted in Europe is the Philippian church. And Paul's writing this letter from a prison back to the Philippian church, talking to them about how he's going to send Timothy to them, really to just cheer them up, to encourage them, and also to cheer Paul up when when he gets a good report about what's going on in their church. This is a different day and age, so it's hard for us to understand why it would matter that that this is happening. But for us, you know, if we're, if you can imagine, if we were the only church around, you know, the only church in our city, and, um, you know, for us, we have the internet, we have phones, and we have all these things that we can communicate and encourage others who are doing the same things. Uh, for them, there was, there was not that method of communication. So, you know, letters would take a long time, or, or a visit would be, uh, you know, it would, it would take a lot of effort. And so, Paul is going to the effort of sending one of his best guys to encourage them as a group, to kind of check and make sure things are going well, to put things in order that may be out of order, and um, to bring back a report. And so I want you to look at how Paul speaks of Timothy, who is really a great follower. So here's an example of a great follower. This is Philippians 2, verses 19 through 24. Here's what it says. Paul says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. He's writing this to the Philippian church. I hope to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. Verse 20, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all, speaking of pretty much everyone else, they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Paul wanted to visit this church personally, but he's, he's in prison. He's in prison for um, preaching the gospel, for sharing about the message of Jesus. And Timothy is really by his side, <clears throat> not in prison, but he's by his side, keeping him company. Paul's somewhat under house arrest, and so he, he's waiting for his trial. He's either going to find out that he's going to be executed or released. And so, But there's a few points that I want to highlight here. First, one thing here is 
Timothy shares his leader's concerns. He sh- this is a great follower. A great follower will share their leader's concerns. Look at how he describes Timothy in verse 20. He says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He's, Timothy, Timothy stood out. Paul's like, I've, look, I've never had anyone like him. I, I have no one like him. Everyone else does it one way. Timothy will share, you know, he will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. See, Paul was concerned about the Philippian church. Paul was concerned about how people were doing there, if they were growing up in their faith. And since Paul was concerned, then so was Timothy. That's what he's saying here. A great follower is really committed to the leader's concern. Now, this, this is really difficult. The word concern, it just means to, to have this burden. You're, you're expressing a real heavy burden over something. Sometimes as followers, we, we see that there's something eating at our leader. We can see that our leader, our boss, whoever that might be, a leader in the church, a leader in the family, we can see that something is eating at them. Now, whatever's consuming their thinking may not bother, them, bother us at all. It may be of no concern to us. But, you know, it's, something's really just bothering them. Well, we have different ways of responding. We may be totally unaware or, or couldn't care less about that concern, or we may be bothered that they're bothered at that concern. Like, how could he be so whatever to be bothered at that? Wow, that's really immature. We might, in our own minds, decide, you shouldn't be anxious. You shouldn't be worried about that. Well, Sometimes as followers, when we see our leader being concerned, we have an opportunity there to actually uh, to share that concern to help either accomplish that goal, to move the mission forward from there. We, we really can figure out, how, how can I apply this in my life, whether that's at home or at work? Rather than ignoring the leader's concern, rather than ignoring it, can you be proactive? Can you be more proactive towards the concern that your leader has? That's the first thing. That Timothy does. Second thing is Timothy just as a great follower, he set his own interests aside. Verse 21 says, for they all seek. Look at this verse here. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul says everyone else seeks their own interests. At the, Paul was so used to interacting with people who were self-centered and self-focused. Honestly, all of us arrive on planet Earth that way. We all show up with a sense of entitlement, with a sense of of And really with a stubborn intent upon getting what we want in life. And Paul's like, everybody does like this. But when he talks about Timothy, he says, eh, I have no one like him you know, who's genuinely concerned about your welfare. No doubt Timothy had his own interests. He actually was a, you know, he's a person. He had interests, but he didn't push his interests forward. The truth is, all of us, you know, we could, you know, we all have our own interests. We have things that we value. We have Priority number one, two, three, four. We have all of these things. Timothy had his own value list of priorities. But at the top of Timothy's priority list, Paul says those were the interests of Jesus Christ. So priority number one for Timothy was the interests of Jesus Christ. He wanted to carry out and please Jesus, really his, his, his ultimate boss and master. Well, that serves as a priceless gift for a leader, someone who will set their own interests aside, who doesn't push their interests at the number one. Whenever we do that, whenever we'll push our interests aside, that's a gift to our leader because all of us would like people who live for the right things, treat people justly, make wise decisions. Anytime you put Jesus at the top of your list, 
then the things in your life begin to come in order. It doesn't mean you don't have trouble or problems, but he begins to set things in order in our lives that if we put our own interests ahead, we just mess everything up. Things get out of order. If, if I'm the leader, then I want those types of people in my life. On the other, on the other side of things, if those that you lead, if they serve primarily, primarily their own interests, then here's what happens. If we put our own interests at the very top, then I'll choose foolish strategies, selfish strategies, because whenever serving myself is at the top of the list, then I'll do whatever it takes to get what I want. That's just how we work as people. And so Paul is just highlighting the fact that this is valuable. Whenever we do that, the selfish side of this, is it just leaves a wake of real damage behind us. So again, think about your own, think about your own life. What interests are maybe getting in the way of, of helping you be a great follower? What personal interests maybe are being pushed too far up the priority list? And then is there something on that interest list that really needs to be let go of or maybe entrusted to God? Last thing here is this. An example of a great follower is Timothy displays this. He remains faithful over time. He passed the tests that came his way. Philippians 2.22 Paul says, but you know Timothy's proven worth. Timothy's character had been tested over the 10 years that Paul had known him time and time again. And Timothy just kept passing these tests. Timothy wasn't perfect, but Paul had benefited from his faithfulness, and so had the church in Philippi. That's why Paul's saying, you know Timothy's proven worth, because he'd served with Paul there in Philippi at one point. But Timothy's character had just been proven faithful over time. Now, this is something we all need to, to, to experience, and I would say even to, uh, to qualify in, is to prove faithful over time. Um, wh- what makes a person, you know, faithful? Is it, a, is it a degree? Is it experience? I mean, there's all of these different things that go into, you know, in our mind, what would build our credentials to to say hey you can trust me with this responsibility or i should be given more responsibility paul obviously was saying timothy has he's qualified for this assignment and many other assignments Um, after i finished college i I was a youth pastor and during college i was a youth pastor and and i remember when i got married i I arrived at a church in diamond bar and i had degree in one you know in one pocket and i had ministry experience in another pocket and i thought i'm going to walk into this church I'm going to introduce myself to the pastor, and I'm probably going to take over some major area in this church. And in my mind, I thought, this is just how it's going to work, because I had a degree and I had some experience. And, and so I, I go and I introduce myself to him. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. And um, he's later become really my, my main mentor in life. But when I first met, met him, I started rattling off my degrees and then my experience. And, oh, by the way, I'm in another degree program right now. Well, in my mind, he was just going to roll out the carpet. Hey, so glad you're here. We've been waiting for you. Come and enjoy this responsibility, and we're going to give you a big title with an office. And the problem is he didn't know me. He didn't know me from, from, from Adam. And so, he, he, hey, nice to meet you. Glad you're here. Let me introduce you to someone. He walked me over and introduced me to this man. His name was Tate. And Tate was a big, tall guy. And he said, Tate runs our sight and sound ministry team. And... Uh, and he said, you know, this would be a great place for you to learn to serve here in our church if you want to plug and get involved. And I'm like, 
I didn't. I was like, and in my mind, I'm like, I don't have any sight and sound experience. I don't think I mentioned anything about sight and sound on my on my resume that I just gave him. And and uh, and he and he just said, you know, you know, and Tate's like, oh, that's great. We really could use the help setting up and tearing down. And and I was like, okay. And I'm kind of feeling a little dumb at this point. And and I and then I realize, you know, through this humbling experience of just taking a lower seat, this is exactly what I needed. And and at the my Tate who who later became my friend, you know he's like so what I'm gonna have you do Josh I'm gonna have you after service is over gonna roll up all these cables that you see you know unplug them from things you roll them up the ones that look similar you'll put them in stacks of similar you know okay and I'm I'm like hey, I think I can do this and so I grab the cable and he's watching me and I'm just I start rolling it up like this because that's how you roll things up right no. <laughs> Those of you who know this stuff, it's like, no. And so he walked over and he says, hey, uh, notice you're rolling it that way. And, you know, actually the way we roll it, and he showed me this little, you know, tricky little way of rolling it up that I'm not going to try to show you because I obviously probably can't pull it off that well. But, you know, it's kind of like a rotation roll and rotate and all this stuff. And it keeps the cables intact and it doesn't destroy all the insides. Because, you know, you all have had extension cords that just turn into this big mess. Um, so there was, you know, there was even my way of rolling cables. And then he, he was saying, well, here's, here's the way we're going to do it here. And I had a choice. Do I want to get on board with this rolling up of cables the way that the leader taught me? Yeah. And then as I served for weeks, I began to look around and notice just the way that people pitched in and, and helped. We were at a school. We met at a school our church did back there. And we had stackable folding chairs. I'm sorry. That's not the same. So we had folding chairs and <laughs> stackable folding chairs. That's a new kind of chair. <laughs> so we had folding chairs, folding metal chairs. And I just noticed how mothers and, and, and kids and a lot of the men would just be getting stacks and taking them over and putting them on the thing. And I just noticed just how people served in the congregation. What those were for me were tests of following and tests of serving and just ultimately tests of of character. And the question really for me was was I going to show up to serve next week? Was I going to be on time? Was I going to was I going to push my agenda of hey, I really want to lead in this area that I have in mind or what and was I going to push a method or was I just going to wait for my leaders to say, "Yeah, you know, he's been a real help on this team and 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 wait on that. Was I going to trust God with my interests and my desires that I had or was I going to just push ahead?" See, in our lives, if you will pass those tests, oftentimes what happens is the Lord, he, he rewards that with more responsibility, which sometimes you get more responsibility and you're like, man, why did I work so hard? Because this means a lot more work. But sometimes that, that is rewarded with leadership. But, but the, the reality is if we're going to grow in, 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 in leadership, it all starts because all, all leaders have proven faithful as great followers at one point. You don't ever have a great leader who you find that wasn't also a great follower at one point. And, and if I'm the follower and I'm dragging anchor whenever the leader's trying to lead, why should they trust me to lead people? Why should they trust me with more, with more weighty things? Finally, if you read the, the rest of this verse, Timothy, he voluntarily surrendered his own personal plans to follow Paul and to follow Paul's leadership. Look at the second part of verse 22. It says of Timothy, how as a son with a father he has served with me. In the gospel, he describes Timothy like this son 
It's almost shocking when you see someone voluntarily submitting to the authority over them in a way that you might you might see or you might expect to see in a healthy family structure. That's the way Paul is describing this. It's really, it's like, you know, if a family business is, is going down or if the family business, the, the head of it, he gets sick, who might take it over? They're going to look for the, they're going to look to the, you know, maybe the son who would be most responsible to take it on and learn the family trade to keep the family business going because out of love. Well, that's normal, but Paul is saying, wow, Timothy, who's not his family, you know, he cared so much about seeing things move forward. He cared so much about carrying out the mission that it was like he was a son. You know, This is a very clear description. And as you read this passage, you can just see the joy that Paul has towards Timothy. Where Hebrews 13 says, 17 says, we're to make it a joy. You could tell Paul, and he had so much joy when he talked about Timothy. So for us, if you just, we'll wrap up with this question. In the areas in which you follow, think about the areas in which you follow. How do you rate yourself? Give yourself a rating, maybe in your mind, or maybe write it down. Poor, just okay, okay. Well, I guess that's the same. Good, great. How, how do you follow? Think of the difference you could make if you set yourself to aggressively follow, and how over time the tremendous impact it would make on those groups, whether it's at home, in the church, at the workplace. Think about the difference it could make if you just decide to aggressively follow. Your leader will love you for that. And God may really bless that over time with giving you more responsibility. <clears throat> Would you take out that connection card on the back? There's some next steps. I want to invite our worship team to come back up to the stage and also ask our ushers to prepare to receive this morning's tithes and offering. And on the back of this white connection card is these next steps. You might want to take one of these to as a way of applying. You may have another point of application, but one would be memorize Hebrews 13:17, maybe write that down somewhere. Just be mulling on that this week, try to commit it to memory. Second would be commit to aggressively follow the direction of one of your leaders. You might know who that needs to be. Maybe there's someone in your mind already. Um, third would be reward someone who's following well and making it a joy to lead them. And then last, clear up poor following by asking for forgiveness. Maybe God has shown you something that you need to clear up. I'd encourage you to take that step of getting that straightened out. Uh, one of the things that we didn't really address that I wanted to just mention is in 1 Peter chapter 2, you have, you have a, a part where Peter talks in, let's see, it's 1 Peter chapter 2 around verse 13 through 25. If you find yourself in a position where you're following a really, really difficult, harsh leader, um, then you might want to start getting into that passage. 1 Peter chapter 2, 13 through 25. If you're following a very, very difficult, harsh leader. Uh, sometimes we all have points where it's tough to follow the leader, but sometimes it's especially difficult every day to go to work. If you find yourself where it's just like, man, I, I don't even want to go to work because this is just taking... It's just zapping the joy out of my life. You might want to look at this passage because it talks about how even under harsh work conditions, God can work. God can protect. God can bless. Um, and gives us an example when we're going through it. Now, all of us, we have the option to quit our job and find new employment. Um, usually it's better to look for what you're going to do next before you do that. But, but, you know, if you're in a position where you just really can't handle it anymore, maybe you need to find a new place to work, or maybe you need to 
you know, if, if there's a way you can uh, rightly remove yourself from a leader, if you're if you're bound to a leader, uh, if you made a covenant before God towards a leader, then that's different. God can work in that situation still, but on the workplace issues, you know, you can find a new job. But if you if you recognize this is just this is where God has me, get into that passage of scripture, start wrestling with it. If you'd like to learn more about it or just understanding it, you want to talk, let me know. I'd be happy to talk to you, or one of our staff could as well. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time and thank you so much for the guidance you give to us through the Bible. Lord, we read these instructions, we 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 read about these examples who are real people. And on some level, God, we can really identify and take the challenge for ourselves. So, God, I pray that we would really personalize this challenge this morning. We'd apply it to our lives in the areas that we relate to authority. God, would you help us to grow? Lord, if we need to clear any of this up, I pray that you'd convict us of poor following and help us to clear that up with our leaders as soon as we can. And, Lord, help us to, to just turn a corner in this area that we might be become great followers. Lord, I also just pray for our offering this morning. just ask you to use it to further um, the work that we're doing here in, in this city and surrounding areas, Lord. We thank you so much for the faithfulness of the families that contribute to, um, to this congregation. We pray that you continue to stretch our generosity and our heart to, to trust you in this area of giving ask you to bless it in Jesus' name.